Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Prosperity Millennial, where we take a look at success stories from true millennials who have taken their success and their dreams and made them reality. We're going to walk through what they've done, their tips, their techniques, and really look at how we can make those applicable into our own lives. We'll talk about making action plans to really transcend what a true millennial is thought about and how you too can take your success into your own hands. Let's work together. Let's really go after success. And if you're ready, sit back, relax, and let's talk about Prosperity Millennial. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only. It is expressly our opinions and are based on our best judgment, but no warranty is given. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. Financial advice should be taken as an opinion and for educational purposes. We make no warranties or guarantees. Please enjoy the show. What's up, buddy? What's up, Matt? How's it going? Oh, it's going real good. Good, good. Well, welcome to the podcast. Uh, For those that don't know, I have invited Hayden onto the podcast today. Um, As I alluded to in the previous podcast episodes, Hayden's going to talk about uh, a trip that he took. And I think you've taken this trip a couple of times from what I understand, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, two times actually there where we'll be talking about. And then my last year included a kind of more of a virtual trip, but wasn't on site. Awesome. Awesome. So the reason Hayden's going to talk about that is as we talked about last week, um, how experiences can kind of shape your life and kind of lead you um, in different paths and kind of open your eyes that's kind of why Hayden's going to be on today. I wanted him to kind of share that experience. Um, I think this will really help uh, people to understand how experiences really can shape that. And so, um, Hayden, if you want to jump in and let them know what that uh, what that trip was about and uh, where you went. Yeah, definitely. Well, once again, Matt, thanks for having me. Um, and for those listening good evening depending on where you're at possibly good afternoon um again my name is hayden klingeman and the trip that matt mentioned about was me going to belize and that was during my college career i went to defiance college in 2017 after i graduated from striker local school so shout out to the panthers out there um then he's, I he's, got a, he's got to plug the Panthers. I'm over here as a bomber. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, I got a little <laughs> rivalry there. <laughs> but I graduated in 21 from Defiance College and from 2018, 19 through my 21, I traveled three years to Belize, um, two actually in person on the grounds is what we'd like to call there. Um, And then one, obviously, virtually the last year, and that was more due to COVID. Um, I did a three-year project. Um, They basically, it was with and in my degree. My degree was accounting, and I had ended up with a double minor in marketing and graphic design, but it's more focused on accounting. And 
even though it was a three-year project, it was three separate projects within those three years, but it all bounced back from one another. So the first year that we went, um, I worked with a group of farmers in the village of San Carlos in Belize. And it was my instructor. She informed me that the farmers were not very hands-on with their finances and weren't keeping track of it for they would keep track more in their head and they wouldn't have it on paper. So that was kind of an issue that she saw that we needed to fix. Accounting degree background, I did some extensive research, um, whether it may not seem like it, and basically came up with a general ledger that I could teach them and show them. So basic bookkeeping, credits, debits, um, and just adding those up, etc. from there. And it was very interesting learning more about them in person um, when there. Um, we had a good translator with us there on the grounds that helped us communicate from Spanish to English and vice versa back and forth, as well as a little bit of Creole. So that was new, getting to learn a little bit of Creole as well. And I took three years of Spanish back in high school, which gave me a little bit of knowledge, but not, not near as much as I, I needed when there. But um, moving forward in the project, it was very interesting to see how they how they and why they keep their finances in their head versus on paper. And it was because they had no reason to show it. No government agency came out to them and surveyed their, their property, surveyed what they're doing, whatever. So it was, it was very intriguing. So I taught them that in the first year in hopes that they would take that and grow from it. Um, that was basically my whole first year project in a nutshell is just a general ledger. So not a whole lot to it, but they didn't understand it. So I had to teach them every simple concept of what, even what a debit is, debit and what a credit is. So it was very, it was going in depth with the whole process that then led to the next year, which was me coming down and learning from what they were taught from the past year and seeing if they actually applied it and come to find out they did not apply the general ledger bookkeeping. However, through talking to them very little between my first year trip and the second year trip, I ended up finding out that they ended up starting their own Vicoba down there, which a lot of these have started in different areas throughout the, throughout the globe, throughout the world, and that's a village community bank and oh, nice. yeah it was very very <laughs> cool to see that and we kind of they mentioned the need for more funding the first year that was kind of at the very end of my training but nothing was really talked about in depth so my instructor sat in with me and we kind of just took some very very brief questions as to what their needs are because from them, yes, they they sat down in a room and and took notes and and kind of grasped the concept of a general ledger, but they were more interested as to how do we get more funds and how do we get more funds without going to a government agency because they have no way to show proof of what they're doing and interest rates down there for them were about 
which is very, very high. And especially for them who, who are kind of living out in no man's land per se. So that led to my second year project, which was establishing a Vicoba for them. And I, so I took the brief questions that I got in my first year and kind of ran with those, did a lot, a lot of research on what a Vicoba is and how it works and, and basically developed bylaws for, for their Vicoba. And that. So Hayden, take it, take a second or take a few minutes, explain to the, explain to the listeners kind of what a Vicoba is, because I think that might go over some people's heads. So what, what necessarily is a Vicoba? I know you said what it is, but kind of how, how is it established and what all of that? Yeah, um, definitely. That is definitely important. So a Vicoba, a village community bank is simply where as a business has, they have the head chairman or the president, and then they have their cabinetry underneath that, as well as your board members. So within this set village, they had, oh, I think it was about 25 households. So 25 different names. So they would all come together and delegate their leaders and delegate their president, their cabinetry members and their board. And with that, they would basically set out a limit that they want to gain. So say it's 25 members and they want to basically gather $10,000. So they would set up and figure out each within their own families or themselves, because some of them, not all of them had families. There were a lot of single farmers, a lot of single males. And they would basically talk about how much they want to put together each month and put it in this pot for say, we always called it a pot. So they'd gather these funds each month, put it in a pot and it just to keep accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. And once a member from that Vicoba community came in and say, Hey, I need a loan for say a hundred dollars. They would pull that money out of that pot and give it to that specific member. Now, granted, it couldn't just be anybody. It had to be somebody within that. But they would delegate their own interest rate percentage to that person. And it would be lower than what they would get when they go into town and they buy seed from different companies for ten at that 10%. So it would be a lot lower interest rate. So it wouldn't hurt them up front nor in the long run as it would as they do currently and basically that was just kind of this kind of the process they would just put money in themselves within their own little village and delegate that out accordingly but they would have to set a minimum amount they'd have to meet first before they can start loaning out because obviously you don't have twenty dollars in there and that go to waste just like that so that's kind of the gist of what a vicoba is nice nice that uh, I think people would, uh, um, when I think of a Vicoba, I think of almost like we have a we have a banking system here, um, but you also think about banks have shareholders, and you know those shareholders benefit from from you know how well a bank does. Whereas a Vicoba, the whole that whole village or group benefits from that vicoba because they get cheaper interest rates mm-hmm. and 
they're they're benefiting because even the interest being paid is being paid right back to the vicova so um, yep. everybody benefits yeah exactly all those members yeah as as what we call today and we basically call them shareholders yes yeah yep and they can even team up with different villages however they're where they were at and where we were at when san carlos and belize they're very excluded from larger towns and even other villages within the area so because from what where they are to the nearest city as what we would say even like the size of defiance it was about an hour and a half to three hours wow and it all just depended on weather really yeah so very very cool to see how a little bit of information the first year can transition to that second year project and they've already established it. Nice. Nice. And what, what did you see as, uh, as they established it and, uh, began to use it where was, uh, many of the members benefiting or, or what did it look like to you? So they were still kind of getting, getting funds and getting members acclimated to it. Um, they had it up and running, but it wasn't fluently running, per se. So my second and into my third year project was basically developing bylaws for this Vicova because in it, and anybody can go online and search it, and if I had the exact link right in front of me, I would tell you, but you can go online and find the whole Vicova packet that has all the bylaws and all the templates and everything that you need to have for it. So I was taking this Vicoba packet that has been brought up and been made from other people doing it and basically turning the questions and turning it into something that can be relatable to them and that they can use. And it was very difficult because when you're not there and you're a whole year from going there, you just kind of, it's more of, of a hypothesis as to, well, this may be it, this might work, but until you're actually there on the ground, it's very hard to actually see whether or not it's your questions and the, the theory that you have going for them is actually going to be good. Right. And how, how long when you were there your first year, second year, and then you said you were there virtually, uh, what time did you spend while you were there? Was it like a week? So we always went for t- a two week span and it was actually the two weeks in December, my first two years, um, first two weeks, practically of December leading up to Christmas. So it was nice having that vacation and the, in the nice warm weather versus the cold weather up here, but it was definitely a lot of work, a lot of work down there. So yeah. Were you spending? Were you spent? Where were you? Where were you staying then when you were in Belize? Were you were you staying with like in the village or, I mean, were you in like a hotel or how was that? So our first, out of the fourteen days, eleven of those days were spent in the jungle, and we actually stayed in a um, wildlife preserve. Day, um, but it's called Program for Belize, and they people can stay here and do bird watching. They can 
animal, um, animal seeing, animal watching, all kinds of things. But it's basically a a jungle preserve where they just take care of the natural woodlands around them and natural forestry. But we stay there for just under two weeks there. And then our last three days of the two week trip are spent in Belize city in the hotel, winding down, gathering all of our data, and then meeting with some community partners that we have in Belize city and just talking to them and explaining to them, explaining to them everything that we accomplished over this two week span and kind of what our objectives are going into the next year. And how many, how many people were kind of in that group typically? My first year, there was 10 of us students and then that came along. So 12. And then my second year, there was about eight to nine students, I believe. And then, uh, two faculty members as well. So on both trips, we've had about 10, 10 to 12 people, which is a pretty large group for this, but we definitely made it work. And large, and, and I say that is because as soon as we touch ground in Belize, we have vehicles waiting for us there, but we only have two to three vehicles depending on what they want to give us. And that is and trying to fit 10 to 12 people in three <laughs> in three cars that only fit five and that may sound funny but then you gotta throw everybody's luggage in there it can get pretty cramped and then those two to three vehicles are what we travel in every day for the next two weeks so it gets pretty crazy but we made it work yeah you get extra close to the people that uh, you're traveling with Definitely, definitely. Those <laughs> bonds and relationships you gain with those students from the start of the project to the end is just, it's phenomenal and something you can't, can't dream of. Yeah. Do you, now, each student then was doing kind of their own project, right, Hayden? Correct. Yep. So, um, so they all, they all were, they all might have been, um, uh, making an impact in Belize differently than what you were. Um, do you know of any of, of, of their uh, projects or, or anything that you could speak on uh, in that regard as well? Yeah, uh, definitely. So even the two um, faculty that we have go with us, everybody has to do a project um, in order to go and it has to get approved by the head the head adjunct for say, or the head professor and the head that we had, she was very, very, um, very key on what she wanted and what, who she had go because she definitely didn't want this trip to be spoiled. Um, as well as didn't want it to go South real quick because Belize is a trip that they've been doing from my time when I was there, 15 years running. So it was a very long, long trip. And we gained a lot of relationships there. But yes, everybody had a project. And some of those projects include water testing. And that was testing, you know, pH and a bunch of, I can't even, I can't even remember off the top of my head. We've done so many, but um, just a bunch of testing in the waters there, whether it's rivers, lagoons, or streams. 
um, because they have a lot of pollution and a lot of throwback in the river from factories and runoff, et cetera. So they test for water, water quality. Um, one lady did breast cancer for a lot of the teachers and a lot of the schools that we went to, um, as well as a lot of the villages, um, because she was a breast cancer survivor. Um, we also did, a lot of kids did, um, oh, what do they call school, like a, kind of like a school fair where they did English, history, science, and kind of a little bit of PE for say, but they brought down a lot of resources for the teachers that they can use for the students and just gave them updated packets every year, updated resources, updated lessons, and allowed them to just kind of run with what run with it with what they wanted. But those were some of the busiest days because those students who had those projects basically had a lot of extensive knowledge and had to do a lot of research on those packets they were giving to make sure that they were legitimate or make sure that they were um, legible as well as accurate, which is definitely key when teaching the young ones and moving forward with them. Um, and then some other projects that we did um, included some water testing within the village that we stayed in too. It was uh, potable water, not just swimming water and use for just your daily daily use, but also for drinking down there. And that was a big thing in the village. So a lot of, lot of different projects. Um, it kind of seems like it's summed up within like three or four categories, but it was definitely a lot of work, a lot of variety, which was good for them because in the villages that we went to in the villages down there and the, just the people in general, they definitely are not knowledgeable in those degrees they're super knowledgeable more than what we think but giving them the resources that we have just put a smile on their face and just help them to, yeah. a, to a degree that you know you can't even think of you can't even imagine until you're actually there and you're actually talking to them and just giving them the resources that they need it's just yeah it's amazing did it did i i would say and and for somebody like myself that's never went to a, a third world country like that, um, I, wouldn't wouldn't you say? Um, I guess for for everybody listening, kind of how surprising it is, um, just basic things we take for granted. That's basic. That experience for you, kind of kind of elaborate on that. I guess. Um, this trip, these trips, I should say, not just this one, um, was definitely my first time flying out of the country and just flying on an airplane in general. So that in itself um, was was so cool. I'm not even going to say different. I mean, it was different. <laughs> definitely enjoyed it. I, but... I did, too. I did, too. My first plane trip was last September. And I, yeah, I I loved it. <laughs> yeah, definitely get a chance to do it. Definitely highly recommend. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, um, but yeah, the things, you know, the thing, the takeaways from it, you know, that, that I've learned that we definitely take for granted is, you know, we definitely take for granted the clothes that we wear 
And the, I mean, I mean, all this relates to the money. I mean, I think we definitely take granted the money that, that we make and just the, the joy that we have to spend that money on the thing that we do have because, you know, food down there, food, clothing, water is very, um, scarce per se. And, you know, and not only that, but also, you know, those bigger ticketed items like Wi-Fi and internet phones, laptops, just technology in general down there is, is not your typical thing you run by. A lot of the schools that we came to, they might've had one computer lab that might've had three computers. And, and that was just mind boggling in itself, but you know, they still managed to, a lot of those schools that we went to, they relied on us for the resources. So we were definitely a huge, huge help for them. So, um, but not only the money and the food and all that, um, but just, I think relationships with people we take for granted, um, just a simple, you know, reaching out here and there to people is checking in on them, you know, down there, it's just, it's so fluent and it's just so natural for them where I think today with all of the phones and internet and everything, so easy. Um, yeah, and I think I think the basic the basic symbols of life that they have, with just the fact of trying to to you know the basic water, food and and clothing that you mentioned, you know is 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 something we don't realize, you know that that there's areas in this world where, you know, like you have projects. And somebody in your group that was testing water, whereas mm-hmm. we just turn on a tap, you know, and it's 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 mind boggling the 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 divide, so to speak, of you know the affluence that we get to enjoy here in the United States, whereas somewhere like Belize, you know, you're you're you have you have college students doing projects because of because of how inadequate their lifestyle is and how far behind they are because mm-hmm. the technology hasn't reached them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how, you know, down there, at least from my first few years, you don't, you don't rarely see many um, people get past like say eighth grade to 12th grade it usually it kind of stops down there and I, I i may not be exactly correct on that so don't so don't take my words exactly on it but the education down there once you get past a certain level it's more go out in the fields and work with your parents work with your father and farming and and that's just kind of how it is down there and then you know you take over the family farm you know if, if they got one And what people, um, I guess the listeners can kind of take away is you, you go back through history and you see how the United States started and we were a farming country before the industrial revolution. And then the industrial revolution kind of took us into that age. And then, you know, just, just technology has continued to move the United States to where it is today. Mm -hmm. And, 
you have areas in the world where farming is the primary, still primary um, um, occupation of most of these folks. And it's not because it's not because that's what they want to do. It's because that's what they have to do to survive. Yep. They don't have any other options. This is the only option. Um, so that's yep. what they do in order to, to a make a living and B um, to, to survive, to eat. I mean, a lot of some of, I would say a good majority of what they grow, they either sell or eat. It's just the way it goes. Yep. Yeah. And my, my professor who led us her first few years of her whole Belize journey was simply going down there and doing soil testing in their farm grounds because she talked about how their soil was turning. I believe it was blue, but it could be green. Um, she has it written about, and it was basically because they were over fertilizing their soil and their crops. So, you know, something simple like that, we have the joy of basically managing and taking care of up here because of the advanced technology that we have were down there, you know, they didn't know that that was wrong. They just kept doing it and doing it. But with the help of her, the extensive knowledge she was able to gain through the research about it and taking that down there and sharing that with them, you know, they were able to overcome that and their crops were better. Their yields were better. And, you know, that grew to where we are today, you know, 16, 17 years later down the road, you know, we're still having those communications with them, those projects with them and just ships with them. So yeah, you know, just the agricultural industry itself, you know, is such advanced. Yeah. They're able to get some resources they otherwise wouldn't have access to and probably would have continued doing things that they thought were right without the proper um, education and technology that, that we take for granted. I mean, here in the United States that we, I mean, we have, you know, we think about farms that, you know, we're talking about, you know, these, these people may, may be farming, you know, a mm -hmm. few, a, a, a few acres compared to we have, you know, mega farms that are farming thousands of acres yep. and, and, and they're using technology to, to get the best yield, best crop. And, and these guys are doing everything, you know, kind yep. of the old fashioned way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. There's definitely a lot more information out there. Um, on the internet, of course, about it, but if you want to hear, if anybody, wants to hear more about those projects that not only I just did, but also the other students that I went with, as well as the adjuncts and the faculty. Um, you can definitely go on my LinkedIn page and scroll down to the bottom in the publications section and you can find the two articles that I wrote about and the projects that I did, along with everybody else's. And that's not only just from the Belize trip, but also through a Panama trip that Belize has done, as well as with some local initiatives in Toledo, as well as France. Yeah, and I'll, um, for everybody that's listening, I'll put quick links right in the podcast description that'll take you right to Hayden's um, LinkedIn profile and get, get you right to those those. Um, 
those publications that he speaks about. Um, cause I think it's kind of important just to, you know, get, get even a little bit deeper and, and see some experience from us, some other aspects and other folks that have done projects. Um, because, you know, that's the biggest thing, um, with this episode that I'm kind of, um, kind of titling it around, um, we're, we're talking to Hayden about his experience with Belize and learning about, you know, all that he got to, to experience with, um, doing these projects, but really the biggest takeaway I want to give people is the fact that, you know, stepping out and doing something completely, I guess, out of routine, you know, and, and going and doing things and experiencing life, um, you know, what, what this world has to offer, so to speak, um, will kind of shape you. And kind of like in the previous episode on the podcast, we talked about your personal identity and how your identity is, you know, shaped through experience and, and what you experience and, you know, belief systems and, and all of that. Um, those things, your, your identity and what you like and may not like, or all of that is shaped from experiences, what you've done, what you do. And, um, you know, I'm sure Hayden, you know, has, has taken a lot from going to Belize and seeing a third world country, seeing what people, um, deal with outside of the United States. Definitely. You aren't, you aren't there, you know, it's, you know, when you mentioned, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone, you know, I'd say that's definitely a understatement in this instance, you know, it's, we talked about flying on a plane too, you know, if it's your first time, you know, that's, that's stepping out of your zone or out of your own comfort zone, let alone going into a third world country or just out of the United States. And, you know, that, that in itself is a big leap, but huge takeaways, huge, huge advantages. Um, definitely would go back to I was offered that trip again, but yeah, definitely, I definitely recommend to anybody, you know, doing it. You know, you, the, your eyes are open, your ears are opened you know, when you come back here to the U.S. and just makes you take a little di- different look, not only on life, also just through your own career and what kind of what your goals are for you. Yep. And that's that's the biggest thing. We, you know, it's funny you mentioned goals. You mentioned things that, you know, in previous episodes we've talked about. Like I, I was... Um, I talked to you specifically, Hayden, kind of off podcast, but I'll share with the listeners is, you know, I told Hayden, I kind of teed up this whole experience podcast, like not meaning to it, just how it all fell together. But it worked great because (laughs) um, Hayden and I had talked about I was going to have him on and, you know, he talked about he was going to share, share from a project, but I really didn't have the whole you know aspect of what he was going to talk about but it worked great because this is this leads into you know these past few episodes and it's so important that you know if people and it's not even like i don't want anybody to to get the idea that i'm saying like jump on a plane and go to to africa i'm i'm talking about like go serve at a soup kitchen go do something that you you've never done before like mm-hmm. I, go experience something you've never experienced before. And that doesn't mean 
you have to go spend an arm and a leg or, you know, do something wild. I'm talking about like, just step out of your comfort zone and try something you wouldn't have tried or, you know, talk to somebody you maybe wouldn't have talked to, but you'll gain a whole lot of, of wisdom or have your eyes opened to, to different, um, aspects of life when you kind of step out of that routine a bit and step into somebody else's shoes. Whereas like you, you had the opportunity to step into an entirely different country and an entirely different, probably just whole different world. It felt like Mm -hmm. um, going to Belize because, you know, uh, for the listeners, take, take, take 30 seconds, type in Belize into Google and just kind of type in just randomness into Google, you'll find that, you know, even just images and how they live in normalcy, you'll be like, wow, that doesn't even look like anything in the United States. No, it don't because it's a third world country. We're talking about, you know, um, people that live on very, very little. Absolutely. So. Yeah, definitely, um, to the preface for those who are listening in on this, that, you know, when, when I spoke about or and people have called me in to speak about it, and it's just a group in general, um, they like, they thought it was a mission trip. And I'm here definitely to say that it, that it wasn't a mission trip. And you probably could have guessed that as well from how and what we spoke about, but it was our, all of our work there was community-based research projects, and that's what um, we definitely went as and accomplished. So definitely a little bit different, as one, as one could imagine, but definitely wanted to preface that so the listeners kind of what we did down there. Yeah, it's his, uh, his, it was done through Defiance College, and so they're not, they're not there, you know, doing any, any um you know missions work or anything like that it's all it's all educational base and all there to help try to really help educate the people of belize on on you know like um soil samples and water testing and the mm-hmm. and all that stuff you guys were trying to make an really an economical difference in that country and trying to help them, you know, in any way you guys could through just education and research. Yep. Yep. So very, Um, very cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely won't ever forget it. And definitely ways from it that that could be applied in today's world and just my career now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do have one other question for you, Hayden, and then um, we'll wrap up and um, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. But the one other question, you mentioned you went virtually. And for somebody like me that has stuck in my head the entire podcast, so how the heck do you go to Belize virtually in the midst of COVID? Yeah, so um, not actually did we go to Belize have a trip i'm kind of talking to them via via video recording through a camera or anything like that it was more through kind of communications like email which 
kind of seems crazy because I talked about, you know, internet and, you know, just computer access, phone access and all that being scarce is. Um, but with our guide that we had that helped kind of shape our trips down through the program for belief, he had access through email that we communicated with who would then go out and talk with our community members and projects that we worked on. So it was a little bit through kind of a third company or like through a, through a third person who would go out there, but it was very, very far in between would you say from when we'd hear back from him since we didn't know how, how fast things sent, how fast things were et cetera, and, uh, as well as all the documents that we sent to them to give to them. So it was, it wasn't a whole lot of communication, but it was enough for us to grab the information and the pieces we need to write a project and to fulfill our third year project for these. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I mean, at least you were able to still make a difference even in the midst of COVID mm -hmm. um, with with the best communication that you guys had um, in order to continue the, the work there in Belize. Have you, uh, I guess, I guess a follow up question. Have you had any? Do, are they still doing the Belize um, and um do they do they have like you mentioned they had like documents and stuff like that they're keeping up on you know kind of where they're at with things in belize on like a blog type of thing or um through defiance college website as far as i know they have a mcmaster page um that kind of highlights what the so i guess i should i should step back and this trip to Belize, as well as a Panama trip that they did, as well as some initiatives in Toledo, um, and as well as the surrounding areas, it's all done through the McMaster program for advancing humanity at Defiance College. So it's not, it is under Defiance College, but the McMaster School for Advancing Humanity is the ones that, that kind of oversee all these outside projects. So under Defiance College's website, under the McMaster School for Advanced Communities page, it kind of highlights what they do, what all the projects even give links to see last um, year's projects in the past. But from what I know is Defiance College is still continuing these projects in Belize. I don't know if they're continuing the ones that we ended on because if the community partners kind of, if it, fails or if it falls short or somebody goes down next year and that major that major category isn't being represented so if nobody goes down following years after me that project probably won't get continued so but as far as we know they are still going down and are still doing projects so that is still continuing nice nice well that's good i mean and it's it's good to continue hopefully continue uh that that work um as you know those areas in the world definitely need uh mm -hmm. need as much assistance as they can get um just to be able to like i said get you know the basic the basics um so 
Well, cool. Um, I don't really have any other questions for you, Hayden. Do you have anything else for the listeners? Any other words of wisdom? Anything uh, you want to end on? Oh, I definitely got a lot of stories, even outside of the world. There are fun ones, but maybe save that for another podcast time. (laughs) Well, we will definitely have you back on to to share some of those fun-loving stories, and hopefully none of them involve me. So, um... (laughs) No, you can count on that. You can count on that. Oh, goodness. Well, it was fun having you on the podcast. I sincerely appreciate uh, you taking the time to uh, record with me. Um, But I definitely appreciate the fact you sharing your experience and beliefs, um, as I think hopefully that inspires folks to, like I said, step out of their comfort zone and and, uh, try something. Um, Like I said, it doesn't have to be a trip to Belize or Africa or you know, name a country. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything like that. It can be as simple as just trying something new. So, um, yeah, awesome. So, well, thanks again, Hayden, for being on the podcast. Yep, thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, um, until next time, everybody, um, continue to uh, prosper in life and stay prosperous, and we'll see you on the next one. Awesome.